real conversations, real women, real stories. Here, you can listen to a collection of stories from women just like you, sharing moments that change their life. We believe that all stories should be celebrated, whether they are the happiest moments of your life, moments that left you feeling lost, or moments where you healed yourself again and again. We are here for all of it. Heal, grow, and connect with us. Welcome to the This Is We podcast. I am so excited to have our next guest here with us. Tara is a Reiki master teacher and an Akashic Records reader and mentor that loves working with people who are passionate about standing in their authenticity and living a life that fulfills their soul's desires. Tara has had her life turned upside down. And as she is finding her way back, she wants to shine the light for others on the same path. Learning how to honor her light and show up in her full authenticity has been the most courageous thing that she has ever undertaken and would not change a single thing about her journey. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm just so excited that you are here and ready to share your story. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. It's going to be so good. So let's go back, take us back in time and tell us a little bit about your story and how your world was turned upside down. I think I had a pretty standard life. I had a corporate job. I have two kids, a husband, a dog, all of the things, trying to keep all the balls up in the air all at the same time. And I've always been a sensitive person. So I took life as a challenge to not be sensitive, Mm -hmm. prove that I could do all the things that normal people do. And I remember actually when I first got my corporate job, my boss told me that the director there was like, don't hire her. She'll never cut it. Like she's not strong enough. And I took that and I ran with that. Would I have changed? Would I have been better to be like, you're right. I should not work here. I don't know. But I worked there for 17 years and there were days that I cried and days that I just thought he was probably right. I can't do this. And then I would pull myself up. I remember my boss would always say, put your big girl shoes on and just go and do it. And I did it for so long. I learned to override my nervous system and do the things that I was scared to do and do the things that felt uncomfortable and deal with the difficult people and do the work travel that I never really wanted to do because people would love to do my job. Mm -hmm. So I have to just do it and I have to enjoy it the most that I can. And then after being a mom, I started to hate it more. I really wanted to be with my kids more. I wanted to have more energy for them because of all of the overriding and pushing through my fears at work. I was exhausted. I was exhausted for my family. I was exhausted for me. Because I was always proving that I could hack it, that I could do it because I was already there and lots of people would want my job. So I better suck it up and do the things. And plus I have like this, I really want to achieve. 
So what makes parenting a little bit hard? Because you just never know if you're achieving in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> being at work, having things to do and achieving them, doing well in them. It really, that was my fuel. That was what kept me going until it didn't. In the beginning of COVID, when my kids were home and uh, work was a mess, like I was half at home, half there, but then half trying to help my kids with their schoolwork and everything was just full of pressure. I remember my boss asked me once, Tara, you're okay, right? And I was looked at her and I was like, I'm hanging by a thread, but yeah, I'm okay. And I had never once in my life put myself first. Mm -hmm. There was work stuff to do. There was helping my kids through this, I hate that saying, unprecedented time. All of these new tasks that, I mean, a lot of moms had. And that's what I said when I went to the doctor and when I stepped back a bit. But when I told my work that I need to take some time. And I thought it was for my son. I thought it was because he was struggling and I just needed time to help him. Mm-hmm. Because of course, that's how my brain worked. Of I couldn't possibly take time just for me. So I told my boss that. I did all the things. I called my doctor and he said, just tell them you're not going. Make an appointment. We'll, we'll talk and we'll figure it out. I'll write you a note or whatever you need. And then as the day after I did that, I couldn't get up. I couldn't get out of bed. And I think saying that even now, and I feel like I've come so far, still makes me really emotional, but I felt like I was failing everyone in my life Mm -hmm. by actually giving in to my body needing rest. So the first time ever that I put myself first, Everything that bombarded me was everyone that I was failing. Mm. And um, that was the hardest thing to ever do. And I had overrode my needs for so long that I had absolutely no idea how to cope with it. And it was day by day. It was uncharted territory. It was asking for help. Mm-hmm. in ways that I had never asked for help before, like asking my kids to, I need you to do this because I can't do it today. Asking my husband to take up all of the things that I do, even though he's like a very hands-on husband that has his own tasks with the kids, but it was like, he needed to do everything. He needed to pull it all together. and. I wouldn't change it, to be honest. And that's even though it's emotional and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It's like I needed to become that person that was like an infant Mm -hmm. (laughs) that needed to relearn how to live life. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't fast. It wasn't simple. It was learning day by day how to show up for myself in ways that I had never done and had never been shown how to do. I guess I had never had, I'd never seen anyone in my life 
put themselves first above all. I have had so many role models that put everyone else first that I just didn't know how to do it in the beginning. And it was, it was a lot of guilt, a lot of grief, a lot of shame, a lot of sorrow, a lot of crying, a lot of just wondering if I would ever get out of that rock bottom Mm -hmm. and feeling like a bad role model for my kids and everything. It took me a long time to realize that maybe it's amazing for them. Maybe it's amazing for everyone in my life to get the chance to help me Mm -hmm. and to also for my kids to see that I can come back from this and I can build a different life and I can enjoy life a little more because I was doing all the things that they say you're supposed to do, that society says you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I was incredibly unfulfilled and not present for the things that, like I always had that voice in my head. Uh, You know, when you see someone older and they're like, enjoy your kids now. Yes. And I would put so much pressure on myself of, Mm -hmm. shit, I'm not enjoying them. Like time is going by so fast and I'm so annoyed and I'm so tired. And can I just put them to bed? (laughs) (laughs) So life is totally different now. And it took me a while to get here. and. I honestly, if you had told me five years ago, I probably would not have believed that it is possible to be a mom, to have a career or to have career goals even and be happy mm-hmm. and be grounded and be checking in with myself daily and honoring what I need. I probably would have said, that's for rich people (laughs) or something (laughs) like that like that's not that's not what I was born into that's not my choice that's not Mm -hmm. my path and the thing is it's it's kind of it was a lie I was telling myself because I thought I was doing what was safe and Mm -hmm. that was my goal in life was always to keep myself safe and to keep everyone that I love safe And if the way I was doing that was completely overriding all of my needs, all of my instincts. And I I don't know that I'm alone in that. I feel like it's kind of common Mm -hmm. that we do this to ourselves as, as women or as people in society in general. We live for the weekends. We live for our vacations. We buy ourselves stuff because we deserve it, because we have to do all these things that we don't want to do. And my life has shifted in ways that I get to enjoy things, times, spaces, life in moments instead of weekends and vacations. Like I'm taking time day by day to enjoy. I mean, I, I, it's just different different values, I guess. It's it's been crazy. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think it's, I think it's so relatable. I can relate to that. I can relate to your story and especially that moment where you kind of admitted to yourself and externally admitted to somebody else that I think I need to take a break because that, that was that same pivotal moment for myself where when I finally admitted it, that's when my whole world kind of came crashing down. So when you were speaking, I was just like, oh my gosh, I can feel this. I can, it's giving me chills. It's almost as if I'm reliving my own experience, but also knowing that it's so empowerful to know that, you know, somebody else out there has experienced something very, very similar to me. And so it doesn't feel so lonesome because I don't know about you, but when I was going through that, it felt so lonely because it felt like everybody else was moving forward. And I was just sitting there in my dark little hole with my dark cloud over top and being like, why am I doing this so alone? Like it was just so isolating and lonely. Yeah. And a lot of the, the friends that Mm -hmm. I had at work and in general, not everyone understood and not everyone kept in contact. Mm -hmm. And there was times like months where it was really hard for me to hold conversations with people because I would forget words. Oh, yeah. So I, it was so lonely. I lost, I have lost friendships because I couldn't keep in touch. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm finding new friendships. I'm finding, I think people that can relate mm-hmm. and have maybe faced their hard emotions in moments and can hold resonance of how lonely it can be to sit in the honesty of Mm -hmm. your reality, I guess. But yeah, so lonely. Mm -hmm. I, I have a few friends that I have been able to hold on to and cherish like amazing for them to be able to be with me through those times when I was just struggling, like everything that I loved doing was kind of taken away. So I remember going to a dinner or something, I think it was a lunch and I was barely there, but I was so thankful to be out of the house and to be with someone that like wasn't my husband and my kids and everyone taking care of me, worried about me, just getting out. Mm -hmm. Even though I felt in the back of my head, I was like, can you enjoy this? Like, can you, can you enjoy this? And it was, I could only be as present as I could be in that state of being that I was in, but it was just filling my heart that I could exist outside of my house at that moment when I felt so incapable of societal interactions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can relate to that. (laughs) Because it's like, as much as you kind of wanted to be in your house, and because it was like, I know for myself, like I wanted to be in my house because I knew it was safe. I knew that 
no one would kind of judge me for what I was feeling or how sluggish I felt or how I couldn't just kind of do those daily tasks that I was used to. And then kind of stepping outside of the house, you kind of had to kind of had to do the opposite where it was a little bit unsafe and it was uncomfortable. And you're like, oh, how do I explain to people that this is how I'm feeling and, and I shouldn't be feeling this way. Or, you know, you have all the things like everyone's looking outside, looking in and, and being like, I don't understand why. Like, I felt like that was very hard for some people in my life to kind of understand. And they immediately wanted to fix like go to the doctors and just go get something to fix you. And I'm like, there's nothing that's going to fix me. Like only time and slowing down and ultimately kind of rediscovering who I am and what I need in my life is going to fix what's happening right now. There's not a magic pill that's going to just make me feel better tomorrow. And so I don't know if you kind of felt the same way or like in your journey. I had many people like, can't you go to the doctor? Can't you get some, something like something? And then just, you can go back to work. You can just, you can just move forward. You Mm -hmm. can just take the step, just do the thing, get the pill and (laughs) just, just do the stuff that you always did. Like, I want you back. We want Mm -hmm. you back. We miss you. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing. There was, and it was so hard because I've always intrinsically been hard on myself. So I was like, maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there is something I can do, but I haven't found it. (sighs) So that also makes it isolating because Mm -hmm. nobody really understood that. Well, no, I, that's not true. I have one friend who was like, it's okay. Mm. It's okay to not be okay. And Mm -hmm. to hear those words was incredible Mm -hmm. and also to say those words to myself was important because you never feel like you can take time out in Mm -hmm. life like it just feels like I never really felt like I was someone who cared about FOMO or anything like that I was always doing my own thing but when you just stop you can't do any of the things that you love. It feels like there's parts of you that are dying. Mm -hmm. So it was an incredible amount of grief and acceptance of letting the things go that did not serve me. Even though they were familiar, they may have felt good. They may have felt like they were accomplishments. And I learned during my recovery was how much I based my worth on my accomplishments. So in that moment, when I could felt like I could literally do nothing except breathe, I really felt like I had no worth. What am I bringing to this world? What am I bringing to anyone around me? What am I bringing? And I don't know. I think I'm back to that. I have come back mm-hmm. and I've put a new spin and felt feel more purposeful on what I bring but sitting in almost a year of I just need to receive I'm not bringing anything like how hard is that mm-hmm. it was hard for me it's like going <laughs> it's like going to you know you're going to eat at your friend's house every night or something and you're bringing nothing yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're showing up with nothing. 
and you're just receiving all that they're giving mm-hmm. you. It, it, that wasn't the case, but it was just existing and receiving things from life felt very unbalanced for me because I had always tried to be giving more than I was receiving. Mm-hmm. And to just switch the tables on that and learn how to just be mm-hmm. was the hardest thing ever. Yeah. Ever. And I saw a life coach in the middle of this all. And I think I really turned her her whole strategy upside down because she's like, well, what are your goals? And I'm like, I think I need to be okay with just being. And she was like, oh, okay. And she worked with it. She pivoted. And I thought this is the weirdest thing that I'm doing ever, but really digging down to how can I learn to enjoy just being in life? And you hear those quotes like, I'm a human being, not a human doing, but shit, I lived 40 years doing and it's really hard. It was really hard to pivot into being. It is. It's it's really hard. You're you're retraining your whole way of living. And, and I know for myself, I had to retrain the whole way I viewed the world and everybody that was in it and what I was doing for myself. And I really had to switch that and, and recognize certain things that were happening in my life, even to me or just in my own head and learn how to kind of navigate through that. So I can understand uh, exactly what you were saying. And I wanted to talk about, you had mentioned, you know, proving, you know, when you were at work, you had to prove everybody wrong, that you could do this job and, and everything like that. Do you still feel that you have to prove people wrong in where you are right now? Um, I mean, it creeps in. I think it's part of me. I have a rebellious streak of like, tell me what I can't do. I'll do it. But it's learning like what is actually worth proving again. Mm -hmm. Like what will make a difference in my life? What will make me happy if I can prove that I can do it and not for anyone else? Mm -hmm. Before I, someone would say I couldn't do something. So I would do it just to be like, see, I can do it. And I've lived my whole life that way. So I think it's part of my spirit. It's part of, I don't know, I'm a double Gemini. I'm just like, let me add it. Mm -hmm. But it's where it's coming from that has Mm -hmm. changed. It's knowing myself more, knowing what's worth it to prove for me. Mm. What is the takeaway? Is the takeaway that I'm going to get from it something my heart desires? Or is it just to prove the other person wrong? Because what's the point? (laughs) Now I'm like, what's the point? Think what you want. I don't care. But when it comes to myself, proving myself, like my limiting beliefs, that's kind of where I focus it. If someone says something and I'm like, oh, shit, that one feels close to my heart. Like, I think my subconscious also thinks I can't do it then I need to constantly push and be be proving myself wrong because that that part of my brain that is the conditioning of my 
my ancestors and the society and what women can do and what we can have like a family, a career, all those things that rings in my head of maybe you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then I say, well, maybe I can. <laughs> and maybe I can do it grounded and healthy and in a different way than I ever have before. So yes, I've never ever, ever been one to give up. And Mm. I think hitting rock bottom was where I lost my navigation Mm -hmm. of what am I even moving towards? But I never felt like I was giving up. It was like this really long, I don't know, I imagine like this cruise ship having to make a turn. Like it was a really (laughs) long and wide turn. But at no point did I ever give up that Mm. I was going to prove myself wrong in the fact that, what are you doing? Like, Mm -hmm. this is all for nothing. Or you're just going to go, I used to have those thoughts. You're just going to go back and burn out again. And those things I want to prove wrong all day, every day. Mm -hmm. I get that. I wanted to talk about, you had mentioned at the beginning of the story that of your story that you were very comfortable in where you were. It was comfortable having your job and, and being where you were with your family and everything. Would you say that you are living more on the uncomfortable side now than in the comfortable zone? (laughs) Yes. Every day has an uncomfortable aspect to it because I am challenging all of my own I don't know what it's called right now. All of my shoulds. Mm. I'm challenging all of my shoulds that maybe were never mine. Maybe they're my ancestors' shoulds, the culture that I grew up in, their shoulds. And it's not easy. And I think it's that proving wrong aspect that I don't want to live by anyone else's shoulds anymore. Mm. And my life was comfortable based on what people say you should do when you grow up, you get a job and you provide for your family. And I had a job that I got to travel and go to cool places. I should love it. I should be happy. I was comfortable not honoring myself at all. I was comfortable Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was comfortable not honoring any of my inner dialogue of, why are you doing this? You hate it. (laughs) Was it because you were worried about, you know, external reactions? I know that for myself, sometimes when I kind of go with the flow and kind of do things that are a little bit resistant in my body, it's often because I'm worried about what somebody else is going to say if I were to say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Or that's not really what. I'm all about right now. Did you find that that was an influence or? I think it was growing up, not having a lot of money and uh, that struggle of making it that when I actually had a great paycheck, could go take my, like could go on vacation with my family and my my husband and I were comfortable It felt like that was supposed to be it, that me not 
doing that would then bring my family struggle, would bring me struggle, would bring me to a place where of uncertainty. So it was like, well, I have this job that seems like is stable, is I can achieve, I can do it. Nothing is beyond my capacity here. I can, I learned, I worked there for 17 years. I learned how to like, you know, when to say nothing, when to go with the flow, when to do those things. I learned to play the game. Was it killing my soul? Maybe, but it was, it was safe in, I knew how to do the things that I needed to do to stay in the good books of everyone and accomplish what I needed to accomplish. It felt very stable, very easy. And then at the same time, if someone was to say like, you're going to retire here, that's when things in my body would start to be like curdle because it was like, oh no, I can't imagine myself here for another 30 years or something. (laughs) That sounds like the worst thing in the world. So it was already bubbling, but it was like right now you're safe. Everything's safe. So if it wasn't for this burnout, would I have rock the boat. So I don't know if it was about other people. It was just like, do you want to rock the boat in your life? Mm -hmm. Do you want to cause hardship for you, for others? When you don't know if it's going to work out, Mm -hmm. like, why would you leave a good thing? It was more of that. I don't think it was about other people. It was about making sure that everyone that I love has stability in me. Mm -hmm. And that I have stability in, in knowing what I need to do to, to achieve every day. Mm-hmm. But long-term, like if I was to think like, I'm going to be here for, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be working with these people and doing this for the next, whatever, however many years till I retire. That's when my skin would crawl. So it was there. It was always there. It was just what was going to make me leave. I always Mm. thought they're just going to have to fire me one day. Like something is just going to have to happen. I'm going to have to get the ax so that I can get my courage to do the things that I, I feel like I need to do, but I was terrified Mm -hmm. to actually make it. It was still, even when I was on disability, it was terrifying for me to think of going back to work. And then also terrifying for me to quit. And in that sense, that's when it got to the nitty gritty of actually quitting that job, of sending that email, that's when I thought I'm letting people down. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't more about like what they would think. It was like that I was not uh, being doing my obligations, Mm -hmm. even though I was on long-term for so long, like obviously they are fine without me, but to fully cut ties and to not show up for those people at work, that was the hardest thing. So I think Mm -hmm. for me, it's always not showing up for the people, not doing the things that people need from me. And it's again about giving more than receiving. That's always been my way. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so cool. Well, not cool, but you know what I mean? 
I wanted to kind of talk about not necessarily your family, but you had mentioned your husband and your kids and just the adjustment that, you know, kind of everybody had to deal with when you were, you know, in your prime of burnout. And I completely can relate to the fatigue and just it being hard just to do mundane tasks every single day. Did the communication change in your family? Did you find that even though it felt so hard to, you know, communicate with them, you know, could you do this for me? Or can, are you able to take this on right now? Did you find that it, it kind of opened up this new door that was really positive and uplifting for your family? Yeah. And you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because before there was always like a, attention in that communication, like a stressness of, mm-hmm. I want to do everything, but I can't, and I'm annoyed. So even the asking at that time would have like an underlying annoyedness to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in my, I want to say decimation of my shield of my doingness, it was a complete vulnerability. And like me, my husband as well was like, how do we fix this? I'm going to look it up on the internet. I'm going to Google how to fix this for you. And I'm going to tell them, there's no fixing me. Mm-hmm. I just need you to love me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that vulnerability allowed us to bond in a different way because he didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. We are on level playing ground. of mm-hmm. We got to take it day by day and do the best we can and who cares what it looks like just the best we can that's all we can do I think for my kids there was a while they were really worried about me and then when I quit my oldest he's always worried about money always he like saves all his money and I told him I'm quitting my job I'm never going back there he was like is that the smart thing to do <laughs> and I had to pause, take a breath and say, but what if this works out? Like, what if I get to love what I do every day? And what if I get to come home full of energy and full of joy because I have a job that I love? It was like, I guess, if you think so. (laughs) And I, to myself, I'm like, oh my God, I am shattering everything that he's always known of me and paving a new way for his future, hopefully, Mm -hmm. because he's going to see that I'm going to do it. I am going to achieve, like I'm going to embrace this. We are going to live differently. And he still worries. Like he still Mm -hmm. worries. I I have heard him tell his younger brother, do what you're supposed to do because you don't want mom to get tired. So (sighs) it's still a little bit there. So all I can do is take care of myself and show him that I can survive this mm-hmm. and that I can be, I think this strong, resilient person that he used to see me as, but then maybe it'll also help him in the future know that it's okay not to be always the strong person mm-hmm. that just does. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we've really talked about it. I just noticed my kids through what they witness and through what I hope they're getting from it. Mm -hmm. And 
I can't wait to talk to them about it in like 10 years and see what their take really was and mm-hmm. and how they how they were impacted by it. But I think it was all good. I mean, honoring ourselves is something I hope that I well, I think I always wanted to instill in them, but I never was kind of do what I say and not what I do. Mm-hmm which is never the parent that I wanted to be, but I wasn't even aware of it that I wasn't really doing it because I didn't know how. So now I hope that they can honor that. And I think that my husband has lived through that too. Like he has now found passions. He is coaching basketball and doing things that fill his soul. Mm -hmm. And, um, amongst a full-time job and helping all around here like he has passions I think before five years ago I had no hobbies Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what I liked so I think I've this ordeal this experience has brought us all as a family to figure out what we like do more of what we like fit it into our lives even my kids, they will about turning off video games sometimes, but it's like, let's draw, let's do something that we like because they are so tired of me pulling them out to the woods for hikes. We did that so much over COVID and although it fills my heart and not so much for them. Mm-hmm. So it's them finding their own path and finding what they like. And I hope that they just, I hope they learned that from seeing me go through it because I think a lot of moms, a lot of women, as we take on our jobs and take on our families, we forget to have hobbies and have passions and everything that we do turns into who is it for? What am I accomplishing? All of those things. So in the act of being, I had to find things that I could do with the limited mental capacity that I had of what do I like? Mm -hmm. What helps me? What calms me? What nurtures my soul? And uh, there was a lot of, like I said, there was a lot of things, even hikes in the woods were taken away from me. I didn't have the energy for it. So that was like a go do thing that I had. I had to find things that uh that is a here being thing, mm-hmm. and now I try and balance both. But it's very easy to learn lose those here being things. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> I found hobbies as well because I found I know first I just wanted to touch on before we get into the hobbies mm-hmm. how incredible when we start tuning into ourselves, how it just radiates to our families. I know for myself, when I was, you know, going through this healing journey and and rediscovering who I was and, and why I was here and what I wanted to be doing, it really just bled into my family. And I remember my mom saying not that long ago, how happy my daughter was. And I never realized that she was unhappy but I very much could see that switch in her. And it was around the time when I just started to really, you know, invest back into myself and my happiness and, and really living every day to the fullest. 
And that's when I, and after her saying that just like a month ago, it was just like, oh my gosh, it really did lead into my family and, and help elevate them as well. Nonchalantly without even really knowing, Yeah, which is just so, it's just so amazing that it just, that energetic kind of stuff just goes out into the universe and really does touch other souls at the same time. Yeah. And I can totally like remember people saying that, like, if you take care of yourself, it will take care of others. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Okay. Know. I'm sure. Okay. It will. <laughs> yeah. But and it then does. when you live it and you like, when you are in the moment of having to take care of yourself, because you've been like, bah, all yep. for so long of like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that later. When you have to do it and then it happens and then it's like all of those things that it's like, shit, it is true. Mm-hmm. It is true because we radiate different. We allow them to radiate different. Mm-hmm. And we give ourselves the the chance to enjoy. It really does radiate mm-hmm. out. It's mm-hmm. incredible. And it's it's something that honestly, I can say it's something that used to annoy me when people said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just busy, it's, busy, busy. And yeah. you're like, yeah, okay. When do I have time to take care of myself? Mm-hmm. Like, when do I do that to help other people when I'm doing all this to help other people? Yeah. Like, it was just, I needed to completely stop to be able to mm-hmm. pivot this, this yacht pivot. Yeah. So I wanted to circle back to the hobbies because I am such, if you see me on my personal Instagram page, I am just always parading my hobbies because now I have so many and I try to not make my hobbies into jobs because that always gets me in trouble because then they're not hobbies anymore. They're jobs. But I just want to touch on your hobbies. So what did, what did you discover? Because after having conversations with people and friends of mine that are like, you know, I can't believe you found, you know, you have a hobby. How did you do it? They're always curious as to like what else is out there. So I would love to know what your hobbies are. <laughs> um, my hobbies are some of them are the same. It's just like really putting them into my everyday. So mm-hmm. journaling has always been something that I would like unload once a week before, but now making the the conscious effort to give myself that space to journal every day and I learned Reiki before my burnout and doing self-Reiki and meditation has now become a huge part of my daily routine, which I never made time for before either. And to be able to give myself that space, even as a mom who is not a morning person, to give myself 10 minutes is like it changes the morning for everyone changes the morning for me i love watercolor painting and I'm, i love going to classes to be honest i'm 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 really a little hard on myself when i do it by myself but i love going to paint classes having a paint teacher that lights up my life is amazing and what else do i do i love floating 
Oh, like in the float tanks? Yeah. Oh, I haven't tried that. Yeah, it's so incredible. I used to do it before at my work, but all it would do was melt away my stress. And then I would get stressed again. So now I find when I go in more of a relaxed state, I have a hard time driving home because I'm like so zoned out that I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm just like blissed out after I float. I love it so much. Still being in nature is a huge part, even though my family does not get down with me on this. It's good for me to go by myself and uh, touch some trees and just sometimes lay in the middle of the forest on the ground. That's part of it. What else do I do? Ooh, I think that might be it. Cooking Mm -hmm. was a hobby that I haven't really got back into just because of all the the rest, like the, the lists and the shopping. I'm still not there yet in burnout recovery because it, that's too many steps. So I'm still mm-hmm. at like lower step hobbies. I do enjoy coloring, which mm-hmm. is crazy. I try to get my kids into it with me. They're not into it, but just simple things mm-hmm. and audiobooks. I actually take that on as a hobby because after my burnout, I could not read. I would read the same page again and again and again and be like deflated by it. So mm-hmm. audiobooks are a huge passion of mine. Just getting the chance to, oh my gosh, when it's warmer, lay on the hammock in the backyard and listen to a book and be out in nature. Mm-hmm. That is one of my favorite things to do ever. Yeah, I think that's it. But I'm always open for more. Yeah. (laughs) You really have to like dabble. Like I find, like I know for myself, I really had to kind of dabble and find different things. Like I ended up puzzling. That was my big hobby. That's like, and unfortunately I've just kind of haven't had much time. I've had the time to do it. I just am not in the right headspace to do it right now. So I kind of lean on other things, but Puzzling was my big one, but I I love coloring. I should actually bust out some crayons and I have tons of those books, like the adult coloring books, but I Mm. I really enjoy coloring as well. Just that escape. I just, I just love that in a hobby, you can literally be, you can completely surrender into it and allow it just to kind of take over or you can kind of switch it a little bit and be slightly disconnected, but really in like internally connect with yourself. Like, so like sometimes when I'm puzzled, I could sit there and just focus on the puzzle pieces and what my next step is and what is the box, you know, what or what piece do I have to find to fill this thing? But then sometimes I'm like so content, just like looking at the pieces and allowing it just to free flow and kind of being in my head a little bit, almost like this moving meditation in a way where I have this inner dialogue and I'm talking to myself and kind of flipping the script, maybe even going through my day. And that's what I kind of like about a hobby because it's, you're busy, you're moving your hands, your, your brain is working. So it's, Mm. it's like resting, but you don't feel guilty for it. (laughs) Yeah. But it, it can just be so much like, that's what I just, I think that's why I just believe like after all of this, i Truly believe that everybody should meditate and everybody needs a hobby. <laughs> we'll all yes. be happy. 
Yes. I think I cycle through hobbies. You're right. Like when you said that, it reminded me like I crocheted everybody blankets for their bed and now I'm kind of over it. But for the time when I was doing the crocheting, I was like, oh, this is amazing because like you don't have to think about it, but you, you're busy at the same time. And I was making these blankets. Everyone likes them. Now we all have them on our beds. Now, I, I don't know. I need to find other people that want them because I have nothing else to crochet in my house. <laughs> usually what happens. Yeah. That was my baking. Something. Yeah. It's like, I can't keep eating all these cookies. Um, right. Who can I gift these to? And then I stopped doing it. Now I make sourdough and I'm like, oh, I have to gift this to people. I can't make five sourdoughs a week for myself. Yeah. It's yeah. Sanity. Way too much bread. That was like when I made kombucha. I was, it was like, it's such a task because you have to feed it. You have to like do all yes. the things. Then you got to bottle it. You got to put it in. It was like, so much. And then it was just so much mm-hmm. that I saw someone in the grocery store buying kombu- like a ton of kombucha. And I'm like, do you want a mother? Do you want to do this? Do you, you want to, do- you just come to my house. I'll give it to you. I need to give it up. Like I need to push it out of what, but I don't want it to die. Like it's a living yeah. thing. So please come, come and get my kombucha mother. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. So lastly, I just wanted to ask, how has your life changed since all of this? It's so indescribable sometimes, but I think the feeling that I matter is the hugest thing, that what I want matters, that what my heart desires matters, that I need rest right now matters. All of these things that are crucial things to my health, my mental health, my physical health that I used to push aside. And I used to ignore my body and I used to ignore any signs that were happening. And I think the biggest change is that they matter to me now. I honor them and I listen and I take the time and I do the things and I'm kinder to myself. I think that's the biggest change and it ripples out a lot. So it's a lot of changes, but at the base of it all is that everything that comes up, emotions, anything, they all matter. And I'm done pushing everything aside and I'm done squishing everything down to achieve or fit in or, or all of those things. I am just being me and allowing because it's not like people didn't allow me to be me it was me that didn't allow me to be me and um that matters to me now more than i want to say more than anything yeah wow thank you that was amazing (laughs) i'm like oh still processing that (laughs) when you just said you know it wasn't me that was allowing me to be me. Like that just hits home. It really, really does. Like it just, I don't know. I don't even have words. Like it just, like I'm like, I am really still just processing that. And, but it's so true. And I just, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much <laughs> for being vulnerable and, and sharing your story and, because I know that it's just going to help so many. 
And there's going to be so many listeners that can relate to this and to relate and relate to what you had went through and what you are currently going through, because it's not a journey that just ends. It's a constant journey. I think I've just now have come to terms with that. This is just who I'm going to be. And I'm okay with that because I think it's, I'm going to be the best version of myself. So, you know, anybody that's listening, don't look for the finish line. (laughs) It's not there. (laughs) It's really just fully embracing it and, and honoring yourself because I don't know about you, but I think as much as I loathed it and hated what happened and I was so angry, I'm so grateful that it did happen. And, and it really transformed. So my life. And so I'm just so appreciative of you for sharing your story because I deeply connect with it and I know many others will. So thank you. Thank you for having this platform because I think it would have helped me in those beginning days of, of kind of hopelessness to know that I wasn't alone. And I think that's, and I also think it's hugely therapeutic for me to be here today talking to you about this kind of allows me to feel like I've hit some sort of milestone, even though there is no ending. You're, yeah. you're right. You're completely right. But it's, it's definitely, there are pivotal moments where we look back and go, just breathe and know that you made it this far. And this strength that got you here is not going anywhere. You're going to just keep on moving forward. And it's just going to get better and more authentic and Mm. rocky and beautiful and Mm -hmm. all of the things. I think that's what it taught me of Mm -hmm. all of the things that happen are all beautiful in their own way, even when it seems so hard and so unclear Mm -hmm. in the moment. Yeah keyword unclear (laughs) a lot of fogginess (laughs) yeah but it's so true yeah well thank you so much truly appreciate it me too 